Did you know that all modern scent hounds are descendant of the bloodhound? Or that the chihuahua's ancestor, the Tashiji dog, dates back to the Aztecs? Or that a border collie named Chaser knows 1,000 words? You know, the pit bull used to be considered America's dog and was our country's symbol in World War I. Did you know that you could learn all of these facts and more about dogs if you listen to our podcast, We're Getting a Dog? Each week, we go over a different breed's history and what it takes to own it. And we talk a little bit about why we love the breed and try to present each dog in a fair light. You can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you stream podcasts. From the Arcadia Podcast Network. Hi there, listener. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Just so you know, this show contains explicit language and some possible adult themes. Listeners under 13 or anyone who could be offended by the subject matter are given caution. Hello, I'm Wesley Van Hoosen, and this is Good Food for Bad Friends. On this podcast, I'll have a different guest every week to talk about their history with food. Along with each episode, you can find recipes inspired by the featured guest on our website, goodfoodbadfriends.com. Drew Valaika is my other best friend. I met him when I was entering my junior year at Nebraska Wesleyan University. Like me, he was a theater major, but he was just beginning his time at the school. At the end of every summer, the cast and crew would rehearse 12-hour days over two weeks and put on the opening show of the season. A select few incoming freshmen were also chosen every spring to be in the summer production, if their college audition or tech portfolio was impressive enough. Drew was one of those chosen few, and that year our opening show was Spamalot. I was lucky enough to play in the orchestra pit for that show, led by the amazing Dan Hayes, and while I know the show itself is funny, I honestly never saw it, because I was underneath it the entire time. Unlike the show, I did get to see a lot of Drew. We became fast friends when I took him under my wing, as the upperclassmen were guided to do by the faculty. I was happy to do it, and I'm so glad that I did. To me, Drew was different from everyone else because he works on the same kind of intellectual hunger that I do. We loved conversing about our ideas and experiences as well as what we liked to read and how we enjoyed learning. As we went further into the school year, we became more and more close and a solid friendship was born. Since I'm a couple of years older than Drew, I graduated and went on while he was still working towards his bachelor's degree. Drew went on to study theater in Russia and graduated in 2017 with his acting degree. He's since moved to the Big Apple to follow his dreams, just like I moved to the Windy City to pursue mine. Although we live far away from each other, we still have the most solid of friendships. It truly is cliche, but Drew and I have a friendship that picks up just as soon as one of us calls or sees one another after a while. Through the years, we've grown to appreciate each other's differences and what we like to learn and seek for our own careers. Drew is one of the very few close friends I have who is younger than me, and yet I look up to him because of his incredible drive to succeed and define. If I'm ever down or just need someone to pick me up with a conversation, I will always and forever reach for Drew. I'm so proud of this guy. He's like another little brother to me, and I'm so happy he's on this week's episode of the podcast. Ladles and Jelly Spoons, please welcome my other best friend, Drew Valaika. So for everyone listening, Drew is my other best friend. So like, <laughs> and I don't say that with like any meaning of animosity or like lesser. It's just like, 
he he came he came second in, in the <laughs> timeline. But I met you, Drew, uh, as a wee lad when you were a freshman at our college where we went to undergrad at Nebraska Wesleyan. And I don't know, I feel like I, I sort of took you under my wing because everyone was trying to sleep with you. And I'm just like, leave him alone. <laughs> yes, that's that is surprising like not even surprisingly that's that is straight up accurate because i remember i was there two weeks early for we were working on a show you was were it you were, was it spam a lot? that was spam a lot yeah. yeah i was in the orchestra pit for that show yeah, so i was I there was, but i just wasn't they brought there. they brought me in as a freshman and the professors kind of gave everybody kind of like an older student to sort of just like show them the ropes of yes. the institution mine kind of sucked at their job but then you came along so the professors are like oh he's got one and then after hours you and after you know rehearsal would wrap up at, during the day you and i would just hang out all the time yeah it you know it was a thing too of at that time it was i was a junior in school and you know as an upperclassman in our theater department we were kind of told with the younger kids coming in, you need to be kind of like guideposts for them. I think that was the word that they used. Like, don't be mean, help them. And so, you know, the one thing I think about too is like, I think you and I just kind of clicked really easily. Like we just got along. And also, you know, the whole thing of like all the gay guys are trying to sleep with you, but like, no mm-hmm. offense to them, not all of them, not all of them, but a not number ev- of not them all of them, but where I won't name names, but at the yeah. same, you know who you are. And I'm just kidding, but like, um, but at the same time, it was like this. I, I was like, this guy is smart, he's obviously an intellectual like me because I knew you'd like to read, and you know, you had a decent knowledge of ideas that were somewhat past the level that most kids would have when they go to college at first. I don't know. I feel like your ideas had started to begun developing even before you were in a formal education setting at university. Does that make sense? Yes. And yeah, thank you, just, you. you were just like, you were, you were intuitive. That's the word. You were really intuitive. And I am really drawn to people like that. It's it just because, you know, well, one, you were cute, but also it was like, you know, <laughs> this guy gets it. He understands kind of the, the same analytical thought processes that I have. And up until that point, I really didn't have a lot of intellectual type friends. You know, even if there were people around mm-hmm. us who were intellectuals, we were so focused on theater that kind right. of bombarded it. So, yeah, I think, you know, that for me was the main reason. But yeah, you and I hung out a lot. And, you know, it. I got you in my fraternity, but we won't talk about that because we both had bad experiences. <laughs> and, you know, it's uh shout out Ross Mumford for helping me through, <laughs> like, you know, but oh man, Ross was so cool. Yeah, he he was a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, but yeah, I think you know, that time was just such a you know, I knew that the underclassmen coming in really did that was an you guys had an exceptional class too. You were good, you were really talented and a lot of a lot of talent in that class. A lot of talent. And my God, good Lord. I just remember, I remember sitting back as a senior and, you know, we were doing Zimmer Girls and you didn't do Zimmer Girls though. You were, you, you teched it, didn't you? Did you I didn't build? even, I was on, I was in the carpentry shop. I helped build 
the house that that absolute bastard of a house what a cool and fucking set though i always dude, loved that, that was, set so that much. was an amazing <laughs> set I'm, I'm not gonna lie though there was a lot of catharsis when we tore down the walls and they had we basically used like quarter inch plywood as the siding and i would basically just take the sledge during the strike for it and i was just boom 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 boom, boom. i was never allowed Out. on stage during strike because i <laughs> fucked it up for myself as a freshman because i cut my hand while taking down a wall i'm gonna do a terrible segue here at the end of every show we would do a big we do strike everyone who's done theater knows what strike is for those of you who don't at the end of a play you know back when we could go see plays uh, in the in the other times um in the before, before times, times. <laughs> uh, we we um would have to take down the entire set cast and crew would take down the set we'd wash all the costumes we'd refile them we'd take stuff to the dry whoever whatever had to get dry clean you know like the whole building also got cleaned because a building gets dirty during a show because you've got mm -hmm. like 50 naked people running around trying to find the costumes <laughs> not yep. really we knew where our costumes were we just theater people are gross we, you know we They're sweat just... we sweat we act we put on makeup tons and tons of makeup like you know it, it's a lot <laughs> and you know under it's light just natural the, i mean i mean the the naked the nudity was just from natural exhibitionism it's, no it's so funny actually <laughs> <laughs> it's not i i was talking to a friend about that and how like in high school we we had this big black box theater that was new and in my high school and it was supposed to be the girls changing room the boys were given the bathrooms well one night the bathrooms were like being fixed. So we couldn't use them for some reason. So we had to change with the girls. And I remember the teachers were livid that we did it. Oh, but we God. were all like, we have to be on time for this show. We're not looking at them. And I literally yeah. remember all the straight guys were like, all the girls even were like, they're not looking at us and we're not looking at them. We're just trying to get this show on and we have to just get, you know, and I was telling someone like the night in Wedding Singer when I wore assless, an assless dance belt by mistake and forgot to put on Spanx. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I had to wear a dress that I had to high kick in. Didn't do the high kick that night. But <laughs> backstage, backstage, I remember I had to take off my entire costume to get into this dress. And right, I mean, you could see everything, like everything. And oh my god! I remember someone. I told someone that story, and they were like, "Aren't you worried? People were staring at you." I'm like, "Trust me." we were all quick changing no one's looking yeah. no one gives yeah. a fuck if anything my changer was like nice ass she's like wear a dance <laughs> belt next time i'm like yeah belt. like you know like yeah but i don't think it was dance i think it was just a jock strap but like you know it, it but at the same time there's such that misconception that we're so sexual but it's like we're really not no we're, we're just trying to get on stage man <laughs> like you know but here's my terrible segue so strike we'd strike everything and then we'd have a big banquet potluck yes. type thing in the in the theater well in the shop which i always thought was such a weird place to eat but like i guess you don't want to get anything dirty but you know everything we, everything's just got like a little just a little dash of sawdust for texture a little, little bit yeah but that's my <laughs> terrible segue into welcoming you to a food podcast because that's the only food two food things i could think of that crossed our theater experiences and food that's <laughs> very true picnic but yeah, welcome to my food show. So as everyone's already been listening for like however hours we've been not talking about food, <laughs> Drew and I met in college and we, you know, we we did theater together and it was a fun, fun time. But I don't really know too much about food with you because and it's kind of an interesting. A lot of my theater friends know that I cook, but 
they've never really they don't really know that I cook and it's like that food right. is a very important element to my life as is you know just it's like kind of my other passion so yeah yeah but so my first question question that I'm going to ask you um that I ask everyone on the show is what is your first vivid memory of food I don't know if I can pinpoint like my earliest memory of food, sure. but I can, I can look back through, I can kind of just, I can, I can look back and the vivid, the memories of food I have the most from when I was younger come to uh, mine and my family, our tradition for our Christmas Eve dinner, which I think nice. I've told you a little bit about in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it's I'm not re- I'm not recalling it right now. Please tell our listeners what all that entails. <laughs> yeah. So every every Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve is when my it's kind of like my family's big day. Yeah. Christmas like we do we do presents that night. That's our night where we all get together. Christmas Day we usually go and we spend it with extended family. But Christmas Eve dinner is done. It's always by candlelight. Always. Oh wow. Um. So like that. Most of that like you know afternoon is spent prepping but um when i was very little it used to just be like peel and eat shrimp right sure as sure as, yeah as as my sister and i got older and we actually developed like you know a palate um you know it as of now we mainly do like you know shrimp and huge charcuterie boards with like dried sausage and prosciutto and like you know three or four different kinds of like specialty cheeses um you know olives all sorts of that stuff um lobster tails crab legs um i think a couple times we did um like mussels like Ooh, I shell love, like i mean i love all the things you're listing so i'm yeah I'm on board. did you ever do yeah. steaks steak was always kind of a christmas eve option in my family no it's it's always shellfish that is always what we have for christmas eve dinner. so over the years it's it's a tradition that has evolved and my father he has a um he has a close co-worker of his who every year for christmas he gets my dad a very nice bottle of uh francis coppola wine and uh we always we always have brand, that yeah. with a meal yeah it's it's one of the few wines that i like actively enjoy i'm sure. not a big i'm not i'm not huge on wine but that's a wine that i definitely enjoy so a lot of my earliest memories come from like the evolution of um, those Christmas Eve dinners because right. it's there is a very short list of things I hold sacred in this world, and that night is absolutely one of them. Like if For my sure. parents, came, if my parents were to tell me, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're not doing this this year," I would be like, "Hell, we're yeah!" I'd not. be like, "What? No, yes, I'd we be- are." <laughs> Yeah, I think oh, literally, I, I, I take I take my plane home from New York and I fucking daydream about this dinner, dude. I okay? want to have dinner on Christmas Eve with your family. If it's a shellfish buffet, essentially, I'm like, wh- what's the cover? Can Come I get in? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What um, do I have to pay you to eat this? <laughs> exactly. Um, I, lo- I love that. That's that's awesome. I love that it's a holiday thing too. I think you're actually one of the very first guests if not the first guest, if my memory's right, that's talked about holiday food as a vivid, as a vivid memory. And I love that because holiday food is my vivid memory. My first memory is my grandfather's roast beef. And that was what he made on Christmas day. So it was always what we had for, I want to say, you know, up until I was maybe 19, 
and he got too he was either too ill to cook or in the home at that point so like it and I, I can't replicate it. So it, to me, it's kind of like it's it's a lost flavor almost because I can't figure it out. Oh, but yeah. Not yet. I still hold hope. But I love that it's a holiday meal because I think those are very yeah. much the the ones that we all kind of tend to remember anyway is yeah. our, how Christmas was or Thanksgiving or I know a lot of people do big things at like big food things at New Year's too. Um, but yeah, I love that. Uh is there any kind of like, um, well, let me actually move on to this next question then, because that kind of covers half of the next one. So like, obviously for holidays, you had, it was big deal. It was, you know, kind of the big bucks meal mm -hmm. of the year. Um, growing up, what was sort of the like everyday on the table meal? Oh, it, it varied. Like the thing about you know, my parents is that I'm very, I, I was very fortunate growing up in a household where both my parents could cook. Yes, they can. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking with a, I'm talking with like a yes, capital very good taste too. <laughs> capital C double O K cook. For um, sure. They, you know, my parents still to this day have like the Betty Crocker cookbook they got when they first got married. That thing is nice. and th that thing is a tome that sits yeah. in our pantry and like I see I like you know they'll you know they'll pull that out every now and again but it was always very there would be a lot of you know a lot of Italian here and there my my dad makes a mean you know this is more of a special occasion thing but my dad makes a mean sure. prime rib um, a lot of like big things that we know we'd have leftovers because you know growing up you know I sort of came to a point where I eat them out of house and home. Um, because you know <laughs> yeah no, my, i get it my i mean my parents experienced that twice over when i went through and then my brother became a teenager right after i left the yeah house. they they they, <laughs> they were they were prepared but yeah. yeah dinner you know dinner was always the point in which my family would like actually all you know sit down to eat right but you know it it was just the you know it was a lot of it was very classic sort of midwestern meat and potatoes type of stuff um it was you know you know, a lot of Italian that came a lot from my mom's sure. side of the family. Um, my dad had a, some specialty dishes that he would whip out. So, you know, I, I, I could. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. My dad, my dad over the years has come up with a few of his own things. He makes this like, you know, he makes this very rich stew in the winter. So I've had that a few times since I've been in Nebraska recently. What all so goes into that one? Um, it's like cubed beef, like sure. stew meat. Um, we'll throw in carrots and onions, and I think a little corn. And um, that's like the Midwestern beef stew is corn. It's that's like, like the Midwest yeah, coming out there. Yeah. It's it's it is hearty to say the least. You don't Are there potatoes walk away. or like. Uh, oh yeah oh yeah potatoes, potatoes okay. go in it potatoes go in it so it sounds um, like just a super traditional beef stew but it's got like the midwestern additives to it that make it kind of beefier to your, and it sticks oh, to your this, insides that's what like sticks to your ribs it, or as it my granddad would say it uh it grows hair on your chest that's what oh, my granddad yeah. would always say like it's so the pretty the like broth base is more like a gravy if anything yeah. you want yeah, you, you want like every bit of it. 
It's so good. Does he put peas in it? No. Okay. No one in my no one in my family really likes peas. My mom doesn't mind them, and I th- I don't know. I don't think my dad likes them actually, but my brother and I hate them. So it's like fried rice yeah. always had peas in it growing up, and I'm like, please oh, stop. Yeah. Please just only put carrots or meat. And I like fried rice with no vegetables because I'm, you know, I'm me. But like, <laughs> I, otherwise, I just don't eat fried rice. But yeah, no, I, I get that of like some some things that would traditionally go in dishes in the Midwest that changes a lot. I feel like corn is kind of the sub for peas. Yeah, because it's a starchy yeah. vegetable and it's sweeter, but it's not like peas are just a weird like earthy sweet that i really just don't like corn yeah corn is more like sugary tasting yeah than peas yeah (laughs) i agree none of it's candy but like (laughs) yeah peas peas have this weird like i just don't like they've got this weird texture thing that like you know corn corn doesn't have that so it's mushy yeah corn you know you know, corn is like a bit more of a like sweet that you want out of like something sure. that grew in the earth. Not necessarily sweet corn, but um, just like good old fashioned frozen corn. You no, know. yeah, exactly, yeah, like exactly. Just whole kernel corn for sure. Yeah. Um, what kind of stuff uh did your mom make? Um, a lot of Italian. So my my mom grew up as the youngest of eight. Whoa! In a a mix of Lithuanian, no, not excuse me, in a mix of Czech and uh, Italian cooking. So it was a lot of a lot of. So you know, I feel very fortunate in the fact, like I get like not only like you know Italian cuisine, but also like kolaches. (laughs) Oh, I love those! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. She makes a mean lasagna, that is for sure. Um, my the joke in my family is that my dad married my mother for her recipe on Italian steak. <laughs> How does she make her Italian steak? Have you ever um, had it? Oh God, yes that okay. that was a that was a that was definitely a regular meal. A, a, a lot of prep time went into that. Sure. Um, but uh, you tenderize the beef with just like a meat hammer. Um, so you flatten it all out. Uh, you coat it in um, um, Italian breadcrumbs, which is something you can definitely get at the store. And you, you, she would just um, usually like either fry it or just put like a bunch of pieces on like a big broiling pan in the oven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, you know, tender with a lot of this like, you know, flavor of like you know stuff you find in the breadcrumbs and stuff and it's just it's it is something that like my dad's eyes light up whenever she decides to make that (laughs) during the week sure yeah you know i not to like poo poo on my parents but really the only thing that we really ever had that was sort of like culinarily proficient among my parents cooking would be grilled food so we always had like steak and meat and stuff like that, but it was never done in the oven. It was right. always done outside. And so to me, the the prospect of like baking a steak is so foreign. It's like, what? Yeah, like, yeah. But I mean, not to say that my parents are bad cooks. They just, they they had, you know, they had what they knew and that's what they used. But 
And I do like that idea. I've written that down actually to try that steak because it sounds like it would be really good. Kind of it like, is. It's. Is it's, it served with anything on the side? Um, we kind of would just vary. It would be like whatever came with it on the side is kind of whatever we had on hand. Sure. A lot of times, usually a vegetable or something. I think every I would now do and again, like we baked potatoes. But that's yeah, fine. every we would do baked potatoes with it pretty regularly. Um. Sometimes we do like the twice baked potatoes. If you've ever had those, Ooh, I like those, but Dylan doesn't like those. So yeah, they're yeah. too rich for him. They're very rich. They're really it, good that would, though, yeah, yeah. No one, no one ever walked away hungry at dinner time for sure. Uh, growing up, um. So you talk, you briefly mentioned that you know, like your parents would cook stuff, and then once your sister and you, and you have a twin sister, people should. No listening. De- uh, Drew has a Derek. I have two people with the name starting with a letter D. Um, Drew has a twin sister. And you said that you and her kind of just started to develop your tastes at a specific age. Um, my yeah. next question actually was like, when was that? And uh, what did you start to discover that you did or did not like? Um, Probably around like, I don't know. I think the earliest, I mean, Probably before this, but the earliest I can think back to is probably like, you know, a year or two before junior high is when I really sort of like figured out what I liked. Sure. Um, back then, I liked a lot of like salmon. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. My dad, my dad would make a lot of salmon. And so sometimes like when there was leftovers, I would have that, you know, I'd eat those leftovers cold on like crackers or something. You know, and that's a, it, um, it's really good though, because that's kind of like how I discovered smoked salmon was. Yeah, I would eat, I would eat leftover salmon, and my mom would be like, "Oh, you'd like smoked salmon then if you're eating salmon with just bread or crackers or something." Then yeah, you'd like that. But yeah, that's that is kind of interesting though. I, I mean, that sounds good to me anyway, like yeah. as a snack. So I, I discovered like a I discovered like a big love for like you know stir fry as well, and um just like spices in general. But like, I think that that was really when like I developed my love for like, you know, you know, fish, which I don't cook fish ever because sure. it's so it's I I'm it's so easy to screw up. But like, you know, um, salmon, white fish was something that I really developed a palate for. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say not knowing how to cook fish. There's this great joke from Roseanne, like the first and good iteration of that show. Um, yeah. where she throws a dinner party for, I think, one of her daughter's boyfriends. And she comes back from the kitchen and says, did you know that when fish cooks, it shrinks? And then there's a laugh. <laughs> and then she says this the second line, which is, and when it burns, it practically disappears. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, one of the best jokes ever about cooking fish, because it's so true. It like, yeah. yes, it does shrink. And yes, it will dissipate if you burn it. Like. Also, some fish like like white fish. When you cook it and you try to flip it, it falls apart. I despise cooking white fish unless it's like in a stir fry or some kind of if it's like baked, that's fine. But pan cooking fish is like, why don't you just shoot me? Because that's what it feels like. You know, it's just like one thing most cooks. I don't think are very proficient at you really have to it's like omelet making you have to take the time yeah. to learn how to do it and then you're yeah. good at it but yeah you gotta get your technique down for mm-hmm. it also the other thing about like cooking any kind of fish in your house is that it's one of the only meals that requires you to um like you know 
light a candle afterwards just to like purge the like fish stench you know that's the thing i'm i i love fish uh especially like you know uh tilapia or just like the cheap white fish you can get at the grocery store just as like a protein option oh yeah when, when i'm you know not fat and in a pandemic but like <laughs> luckily i've not gained speaking of that i've not gained as much weight as at my i was at my heaviest so i'm like hey we've made progress on the eating benches but like at the same there time yeah i don't think go. i've eaten fish since this whole thing started because it's like ah just bring the beef bring the pork <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> bring the bacon but like um dylan hates it another reason for that is dylan hates fish any fish except for lobster he likes the fanciest one so like you yeah. know <laughs> he's from he's from new england so i think you have to like that makes to come sense from that, that makes sense but he does not like any kind of fish not shellfish or fish that has a fishy smell when you cook it so if i right. cook it the only time i'll ever eat fish is usually when he's doing dog sittings because i don't worry right. about it and you know it's yeah but otherwise i never i never cook fish so unfortunately anymore yeah no the closest i've gotten to eating fish since the pandemic has been like the canned tuna like chicken of the sea stuff yeah i and made that's... i made tuna patties and i think that was when i really learned how much dylan does not like the smell of fish because i don't think uh -huh. he came out of his room that entire night and i'm like oh my I god can't do it. i eat anything yeah i don't blame him it's not a fun smell it's no not like, it's not it's, it's not, not particularly like or, you know or yeah or a cake, even cooked you know? even cooked even cooked it's not particularly a smell that enhances the meal i'll never yeah oh my god speaking of food smells i'll never forget once i went to a dinner party i did not cook for this dinner party um and i i remember the main course was like a tuna dish and the dessert was apple pie and when you walked Ooh. into the house those two smells were at war and yeah the apple pie <laughs> was losing and I mean, <laughs> it was bad. And I'm like, and, and in my mind, I'm like, what did you do to the tuna to make it so pronounced? And I learned that they had made some kind of like, you know, casserole type dish with it. And it was good. But it, I remember just being like, this would have been a million times better had they not used canned tuna. If it would have been fresh yeah. tuna that was cooked in the oven, like the recipe said it was supposed to. I found the recipe and I looked at it. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, no wonder it stunk up the house to the high heavens because you're just like, here's blowing hot air onto canned tuna, like, you yeah. know, like, yeah, bad, you know, and the poor cinnamon tuna smell was just not working. Oof, it was rough, it was rough, and that's a first. I, I have a feeling, you know, I'm not going to call who, who that was, but I'm like, that's a first dinner party mistake, like, that's right, something you're right. like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that, but anyways, though, yeah. I do love tuna though. I like raw tuna. Yes. I like sushi and stuff like that. Like one of one of my, I mean, when you talk about like me like creating a palette for myself, there's this back that I mean, you remember Laszlo's, of course. Oh yes. I love Laszlo's. One of the one of my absolute favorite places in Lincoln to get food. Mm -hmm. is laszlo's we ate out we my family like you know we probably own stock in that joint at this point it's so um, good it's so, it's so good. good plus when you have like you know a you know plus when you have like a brewery attached to the location it's that, like you know yeah. you can pair you know you can pair a great beer with your food they when i was a kid they used to do this swordfish 
steak sandwich where's this huge like slab i remember that sandwich actually I think my grandmother ordered it once yeah I, my parents would always give me a hard time because I would never look at the menu because every time I got this damn sandwich, but I got it because it was so freaking good. You know, I'm the same way at Laszlo's. I've ordered the same thing for like 10 years and it's the pub club <laughs> with no tomato they got... and yeah. fries. Their fries are out of the fucking world. Their fries Amazing are what sells fries. that place. And you get, uh, you get their garlic dip to go yes. with the fries. Laszlo's is legit as fuck if you ever go to lincoln nebraska go it's it's local too. all the you, beer is local and it's the food like, it's all stuff. it's all local and it's probably one of the i think next to zip line it's probably one of the biggest breweries their in brewery is imperial no empirical imperium imperium, imperium. Like, it starts with an e not an i and yeah. I, I feel like everyone is always looks for it but it's not that like was imperial it's empirical or whatever the fuck it is my dad my Empyrean. dad bringing my dad bringing that beer home is probably what turned me into like a bit of like the beer like it is good beer snob that i am if today. i go to laszlo's it's tough laszlo's also has coke and so it's like oh i want coke <laughs> with my food but for some reason even their coke is super freaking good. it is it i mean here's the thing though coca-cola is palatable with most cuisines like Aren't, it goes with everything it's not like pepsi oh, pepsi oh, is also, the american soda like yeah. you know coke also, is the world soda also laszlo's their dessert their coca-cola cake yeah oh yeah they do have that it's so that's, good like i'm not a big like like dessert for me at the end of like a big big meal is like a cup of black coffee like, literally like like coffee <laughs> yeah coffee but if i'm if I, if like my like you know if someone if you know someone in my family is willing to like you know share i will take a few bites of that coca-cola cake usually when we go to laszlo's it's for a birthday and so we'll get yeah. a free dessert and we just share it and it's like because they give yeah. you so much damn food there and that's a, that's the beauty of eating at restaurants like this it's a sit down kind of yeah. like semi formal type of restaurant almost it's really i mean kind of, i wouldn't it's it's every day but it's also it's also good for special occasions. Like it matches both. Yes. Like I would never want to like wear sweatpants going there. No, but no. I also feel, I also feel like I can like, you know, wear jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. You can look casual and like, yeah. Nice. And like my brother, yeah, well, my it's... brother's graduation party was there. Like that was like the four, the same kind of. Um, oh yeah. Taste. Yeah. But yeah, it's no, a great, it's... and they got a great bar and it's, it's really good. They do have a great bar. You go to the one, there's two of them. You go to the one probably on 56. I go to the one by old Cheney. That's yeah. That one. Um, yeah. We also, yeah. I mean, there's also their location fireworks, which is basically just, you know. Oh, yeah, that is a thing. I forget about that. Place. Yeah. It's so far yeah, away. It's, <laughs> it's it is. So we also there. go, we go there every now and again as well if we're in the area, which sure. is also very, very good. See, it's funny. You and I are from the same hometown, but I think some of the listeners that are not from nebraska whoever you are you know like thank you for listening uh yeah. they don't understand how big of a city our hometown i really is, really is. i mean i grew up in the near south neighborhood which is like 27th and a yeah which is now what would be considered north lincoln or central lincoln yeah when i was which growing is... up that was the what it says it was near south lincoln <laughs> and then you grew up on south like near south 56th and pine lake which is like I grew up, I grew up a world right, away. I grew up around like, well, it's funny. Cause like 
growing up, I would have considered that South Lincoln. So to hear that that's considered Central Lincoln at that point, like puts my kind of geography of our hometown I mean, on its head. I I grew up I grew up closer to like 56 and Old Ch- Old Chain 56 and Pine Lake Road. Pine Lake yeah, Road yeah, was yeah. like the major street we were on. Pine Lake and when I was growing up, Pine Lake was the furthest south you could go in Lincoln without yeah. seeing cornfields. And now it's developed further south from that. And it's kind of crazy because it's like, you know, our neighborhoods are just so different because, you know, ours is kind of the old, it's older houses, the older schools. And, you know, you, you went to Pius though, which is so far away from where you live. Like Pius is the Catholic high school and my mom and my aunt went there too. I did not go to Pius. I went to Lincoln high, but yeah, no, it's just, (laughs) it's, it's, (laughs) well, yeah, I mean, I was Lincoln high, but I mean, Lincoln is a huge city. And so there is a lot of spread it, out. Things. It is. And that, that doesn't even, that doesn't even take into extent, like everything downtown, everything in yeah. like the rail yard, which when we were kids, that rail yard did not even exist. The rail yard was actually a rail yard when we, it was actually up. a rail yard. It was actually a built, rail yard. <laughs> then they built this, then they built the stadium and all sorts of stuff started popping. In well, and you know, it's, I'm happy when that happened, but the problem I think that's happening now is that the rent is so high in the middle of a pandemic, all these restaurants are pulling out of the area and it's sad because there's some great places there that were there. That was a problem even before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. For the rail yard is that they, is that, you know, places knew that this was going to be the place to be and they charged Mm -hmm. out the nose for any business to like even exist. Yeah. And you know, the one thing that, and in a place like Lincoln, you know, the money money is different there like we don't yeah it's it's cheap to live in lincoln i mean a house a three-story house is two hundred fifty thousand dollars. like as opposed to chicago where it's like 250 trillion dollars like you know it's not really it'd be like two two and a half million dollars here it's like yeah the, the the way money goes in nebraska is so much further and to have restaurants have to pay out the ass for rent right it just doesn't work in a place like Nebraska. And- it's like, it's like, this is not, I mean, Nebraska, you know, it's, it's got its, you know, promising aspects, but like, you know, yeah. not, not like a Silicon Valley type no, thing it's where not people LA. are making Silicon Valley type money, you know? And I think the, there's always been this weird, like incessant need to put Nebraska on the map. And I'm like, yeah. the beauty of it is that it isn't, it's like, it's exactly. a different place. It's a different environment from Chicago or New York or, you know, There's, Los Angeles or Seattle. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's homelier. It's a warmer place, both climate wise yeah. and an attitude most of the time. I mean, yes, it is more conservative. I will not say that that's not true. But oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, there is something to be said, though, for the traditions of sort of the quietness that comes mm-hmm. from growing up in a place like nebraska i don't understand why people think it needs to be known i guess yeah there's there's like two schools of thought when it comes to like the future of lincoln and one is like you know both have their extremes where there's one side that's like keep lincoln as like this small town which it's not a small town anymore but a lot of people want to turn it into like a you know a metropolitan hub of the Midwest, which it doesn't have to be. And not to mention Omaha kind of beat us to it. Like <laughs> they, they beat us on. to it. They beat it. They beat us to it 25 years ago. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, 
Lincoln's a great town to visit. It is. Great food, great people. I mean, that's the other thing too. People there, it's so funny when I go back to Nebraska because people are even coming from Chicago, which is Midwestern. Going back yes. to Nebraska, it is so Midwestern. Like if people, you know, see you in the grocery store, it's not just a quick hello and then you're on your way. You better be ready for like a 10 minute, 20 minute conversation in an aisle Yeah, about yeah. their kids, their life. What are you doing? What's the, you know, people are, I think, you know, it's just a different, it's a different kind of culture. People, people are willing, people are willing to lend you that power tool that you need, you know, a cup of sugar you need. There's still neighbors neighbors know yeah you know you know your neighbors i come back after like doing long stints out in new york and coming back and like someone like on the street just like smiles and nods and waves i, I want to be like i i, I just i want to be like do you, are you trying to start a fight i feel like you're during, trying to start a fight during the know? pandemic yeah I, I get that during the pandemic especially it's restorative i find yeah so, i mean not in long long i mean granted you're still out there waiting to go back to new york and yeah which is kind of where a lot of our friends in the industry are we ventured so far off of food but it's totally fine that's why i like this having friends on this show we get to talk about other stuff but absolutely um, um but yeah i mean it for me going back it is nice to know that there's still a group of people in that culture that even though we're all bitter about wearing masks at this point it's a really tough thing mm -hmm. and i mean I well, I do it because it's necessary to keep this yeah. from getting worse. But there's yeah. still people that will take the time to like, you know, be nice. Yeah, absolutely. For the most part. I mean, I don't think I realized how much Nebraska meant to me until I was away from it. And I realized, sure. and you know, it wasn't until I was removed from it that I realized all of such the fine qualities that mm -hmm. Nebraska as a state. Uh, has i mean you know it there, is, there will, yeah there will there there will come a time that like you know my parents move away but like i will always like oh, i will always me. i will always be a nebraskan you know what i mean yeah i mean yeah and that's the one thing that i think is so funny too you know being very much the i have to get the hell out of here attitude uh -huh. when i was 20 when i was growing up and when i got out of college you know, yeah. going back every now and again, it is kind of an idyllic place. It's it's, it's not it, a big city. There's no, you know, there's no, you don't have to contend with the same things you do in a big city, especially the, the, in a pandemic. And, you yeah. know, it, it's almost, you know, almost relaxing in a way. Granted, it's, there's a lot of misgivings there. I mean, I'm not yeah. trying to sugarcoat it. Yeah. The Midwest is yeah. a rough place politically right now, but Mid Midwest Midwest is. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, there is still a sense of there are a lot of people there like, you know what? The world is falling apart, but I'm going to keep my own, you know, little patch of life thriving. Yeah. And I think I Lincoln mean, is a great, great way of like, it's a great place to see that happen. I mean, it, it's funny. I had to joke with a lot of people and say, you know, we got paved roads and electricity out there, right? You but, know, we um, have internet access, right? You know, <laughs> you, you know, we got all of those fine creature comforts that, you know, you city slickers have. Know what I'm talking about? And it's right cheaper. Now? And you don't have to pay taxes cheaper. on your food. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, you know, as as suburban of an area as, you know, we grew up in, in Lincoln, there's, a, you know, you, you walk away with sort of like a bit of, um, midwestern grit 
yeah, wherever and, you're from in that you state. You know, where where it's so funny when Dylan first moved here. So Dylan's from Massachusetts. So he's from right. the meanest state in the East. The meanest. <laughs> he's like a, he's yes. like a member of the Haradrim at the, out there. Like, you know, Lord of the Rings reference. <laughs> but like, are they from the South or are they from the East? Oh, the Easterlings are from the East. I'm stupid. Yeah. A, he was like, you know, from the Easterlings. Easterlings. State. And, you yeah. know, I shouldn't say that. Massachusetts is lovely, but I love Massachusetts. But We, we love your lobster. <laughs> it's gorgeous there, too. And. Massachusetts uh, but is he, stupid pretty. Oh yeah. But he he said to me, he's like, I was so surprised at how just kind of like nice and thoughtful people were here and how yeah. it's like considerate people are. And I'm like, that's the Midwest. It's we're the people that, you know, we are sort of the people that made our neighbors our friends and didn't yeah. succumb to the fear of living in big cities and the dangers and and classism that comes with that i mean granted there is still a lot of classism and racism yeah not sugarcoating it but yeah a lot of people you know it's easier to carve a path for yourself in the midwest because there's less people like you know and i mean i mean you know. i mean i mean yeah i absolutely you know living in the midwest has you know there are some you know regional deficiencies that we have yes. in certain areas but definitely i'd say i'm you know Lincoln, especially, you know, where growing up, I, you know, it was always, you know, a vast majority of the people, you know, are just like good and sensible. Yeah. Lincoln, Lincoln's a, Lincoln's an interesting haven in a way, because it's a very, yeah. very accepting city. And yeah, I grew, I mean, growing up in Lincoln, I know that had I grown up in, you know, even Crete, which is an hour away from Lincoln, I wouldn't have been yeah. able to come out at the age that I did. I had lived in, you know, even like some of the suburbs of Omaha. I don't think I would have yeah. been. Able to. Lincoln afford, uh, afforded us a very interesting perspective of both Midwestern sensibility and liberal ideology. And yes, I love that I come from that combination just because it, I feel like it, I, I try to really view things. Midwesterns are empathetic. We want yeah. people to be okay. You know, yeah. that's like our modus operandi. But speaking of that, I do have a good segue now. So what yeah. are some of the iconic foods of our regional hometown? <gasps> and I mean, what's your favorite? Because I've talked about Lincoln food many times on this show. But I'm, right. my favorite is always Amigos and Runza. Those are like my two top two Lincoln places. Oh, oh, Amigos and Runza. Those are like staples when you like talk about stuff from your area if i yeah. had to like if i had to name like a state dish though sure um it would have to be chili and a cinnamon roll oh yes richard brought that up on his episode yeah. which is so funny because Fun. they come out next to each other but like <laughs> yeah. the, 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 i like funny story about that i so i worked my first job and i had this job for about two and a half years in new york mm -hmm. i was working out of this warehouse in long island city which is in queens long i worked with island a lot of city yeah I, I worked with accent. yeah i i actually i lived like you know in the neighborhood over so sure. i could actually walk to work or take like the bus like you know two stops in over to the warehouse nice um so like, but like the first year I lived there, like people knew, like I had just moved and stuff. I worked with a lot of young guys, mm -hmm. um, a lot of like East coasters from Massachusetts or like, you know, in the, in the East coast area. Um, one of, one of my, one guy there who was a good buddy of mine, his, he had family in New York, but he also like 
you know, would trade off with time in Alaska where he also had family. So sure. He, I do have a was, friend that goes to Alaska. So yeah, there's good. You want to talk about salmon? Go to Alaska. Oh my God. You, um, you should meet my friend Dimitri and talk about Alaska. He was on this a, show. <laughs> he was one of the first. Oh episodes. yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, anyway, but, sorry to digress. So you're talking about, you know, all these people from yeah, all these yeah. different regions. Yeah. Of the United For some, States. Somehow we got, it was like, it was cold and you know, it was a cold winter day. All the like, you know, garage bays where the like big semis would come in and out of were like up and we're all just freezing. I'm like, I said something like this is chilly and a cinnamon roll weather right now. And the look I got, they looked at me like I had just suggested, let's go find a stray cat and put it over a spitfire. Good they're God. like they're they looked at me and they're like, what the hell you are know, you talking about? It's really funny because I feel like that <laughs> that's the reaction by a lot of people. Maybe not eating yeah. a stray animal, but <laughs> watch we're getting a dog where we vouch for the adoption of pets. But like we, <laughs> we <laughs> actually rather listen. It's not plugging, a video podcast anymore. But like plugging, just plugging we're getting a dog right in here, you know? Uh well, I hate cats, so we're not getting a cat, but I wouldn't <laughs> eat one. But no, I know what you mean. I've I when I first said it. Uh, actually kind of similar when I was living in the house with the guys here, it was just bitter cold and it snowed. And I'm like, I really want chili with cinnamon rolls. And Aaron was like, fuck yeah. Cause he's, he lived in Lincoln right. for four years and went right. to school. But the other guys were like, what the fuck? And I'm like, think about it. Beans beef with like a Tex-Mex flavor with a cinnamon roll is the sweet thing. And Matt Harvey um, from episode two of this show, he was like, okay maybe i'll give it yeah a they they were they I, were also, I made it and then it was like what it was my they they are addicted to it now yeah well, maybe not addicted first off like it first off i i mean yeah that's kind of like the the reaction that these guys out there like chili and a cinnamon roll what the hell are you uh -huh. midwesterners up to first off i had to convince these guys that nebraska even existed in the first place it is funny <laughs> When I would tell people, especially my foreign friends that I had at work, you know, who are from yeah. Central America, you know, they're yeah. like, you know, they'd ask me where I'm from and I'd be like, oh, I'm from Nebraska. And some people would be like, oh, I know Nebraska. I have family who work in Nebraska because it's a big, right. you know, farmer state. There's a lot of migrant farm workers there. Um, yeah. Shout out to them for making our grocery stores full during this pandemic, by the way. Uh, That's pay them, you, pay yeah. them more and make them citizens. So yeah. like, you know, uh, but yeah, but some people be like, what the hell is Nebraska? And I'd be like, you know, the state next to us? Well, it's the other state that's next to that state. I'm like, there's, just go two states over and that's Nebraska from there's, Illinois. There's a lot. I mean, I met a lot of East Coasters who couldn't point Nebraska on a map to save their oh, life. Dylan, Dylan what? didn't. <laughs> sorry, I keep interrupting. I'm so sorry. No, when I took uh, when I took Dylan to Nebraska for the first time, that was the furthest west he had ever been at that time. Oh, no kidding. I'm like, yeah, this Nebraska's west at all. Nebraska's Nebraska's just it's such an interesting state because you have the huge cities of Lincoln and Omaha and a lot of Nothing. other stuff that and a lot of other places are just one stoplight towns that are like blink and you miss it. Carney. Carney. I tell yeah. people if you drive through western Nebraska, you have to tune in to the to the radio about the bridge and Carney or the archway. Oh yeah. There's a running joke in my family when we would road trip. We went to Colorado quite often growing up, and my dad would do that leg of the drive almost always for some reason, and right. he would get us out of Lincoln and to like Ogallala. That was like his 
And then my yeah. mom would drive us down into Colorado. But um, we he was like, oh, got to turn it to 15, 10, whatever it is, AM, <laughs> listen to the Arch Radio. And it became, every time we drove through Kearney, we had to tune into it. So it'd be like, the Kearney Arch was built in 2001 as part of a historical, <laughs> it's a factoid radio station that just buzzes from- On the, a loop? Yeah, it's a loop. And then it plays like some banjo music. Are you hungry? Come to the Kearney Arch. Like it's- I'm oh not making this up. God. If you ever go through Nebraska and when you get to Kearney, it's spelled Kearney, K-E-A-R-N-E-Y. Wow, I can spell really well today. That didn't take me any any mistakes. Um, no listen fun. to it. Yeah. That's that's a weird tradition that we have. But you're right. It's like you blink and it's gone. And you're like, what? Yeah. What did I miss? There's just gals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, uh, so we yeah, we've talked about like the Midwest in general. Uh, did you have any other like one person said steak about Nebraska, which I think is pretty oh, obvious. Two you know, words, Omaha steaks. Omaha Nothing steaks, like man. It. And the how best many, thing, you don't have to how pay many for airports can, What? How many airports? How many airports can you go to and buy a fucking steak? I think you can get it at O'Hare. I think it's at O'Hare. Can you Midway. get it at O'Hare? I think so. Yeah, I think because they sh- all the steakhouses here use Omaha steaks. Almost yeah. like virtually all steakhouses oh here. O'Hare is what I usually use for like my um, like you know when I'm flying back to New York. If I take yeah. a pit stop in Chicago, I'm t- I'm you have to go down O'Hare. to baggage claim. It's in baggage oh. claim. It's not on the main terminal platform, and they're no redoing it. Never... They've redone O'Hare. They're redoing it still. So I don't know if it's still there, but no I know I that in the see... Omaha airport there is a kiosk where you can sign up to get your steak of the month, and mm-hmm. you get a little keychain. In the Lincoln Airport, it's there. Um, what I think that. is really what's really funny. I keep telling people this, and I don't know if it's true, but I feel like in Nebraska, you don't get charged shipping for Omaha no. steaks because it comes from the warehouse. Because you're yeah. literally like Lincoln's only a forty-five minute drive. So yeah, because I've seen Omaha steak delivery trucks before yeah. in Nebraska. It's like oh, they're getting their steaks. <laughs> like well, someday, someday I'll hit the level of elitism where I can ha- get mail order steak. <laughs> put a put a new york strip on layaway <laughs> excuse me where is my ribeye it was supposed to have been here yesterday no i yeah. hope i never get like that um how many how many people how many people can like you know how many people can like hear hear a, a delivery driver and think oh boy i can't wait for my um i can't wait for my like you know it'll be Thanks steak <laughs> it's like an ice cream truck almost <laughs> like you hear the little theme play like on the calliope except um, it's playing except it's playing like uh where's know, the beef the restaurant we were talking about laszlo's all of their uh steak and beef comes from omaha steaks yeah, their burgers are omaha steak too yeah yeah, yeah now um, that now that they took my favorite sandwich off the menu years ago i i get their new york strip and you know mm. needless to needless to say i i can i can yeah how much is a steak there like 17 dollars. that's like the price of a burger here like <laughs> yeah like i look <laughs> like i mean every, nine I, almost every every time i come home i am shell shocked by the prices you know we went out to breakfast at this place uh in north lincoln it's on 70th and a and it's called I think it's like Dear Evan or something like that or yeah. Evan something on uh, it's a G it's like a Christy sounding name. I'm getting it wrong, but Evan right. is in it. And I got eggs Benedict there, which was 
fabulous and it was delicious wow i'm really gay today i use the word fabulous uh, <laughs> i <laughs> but um it was like it was like 13 dollars. i'm like x benedict yeah. here is like 19 dollars because it's you know cook to order food it's not like you can make it quickly you have to make you, that to order you and, gotta sign away you gotta sign away your firstborn if you want anything like avocado toast on the east coast dude, you know oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no um, avocado toast here was actually really cheap that's like yeah. the cheap item menu yeah. here menu item here but um yeah no i do love though that food is just going to nebraska it's like oh i won't spend that much money places another thing i'll say this nebraska has diners beat on a lot of places like that's true highway diner out um oh highway diner it's on it's on highway two hi yeah that like oh they need to make that just like a like a state landmark at this point they should yeah that and also <laughs> i mean my favorite my we used to go to village inn which is like denny's oh. if no one, oh, no one yeah. knows what a village inn is but um it's a it's a midwestern chain and yeah. it's so good and it, i went to high school we would go to the one on 29th and O, and that one's closed now um yeah. the health department closed it i mean probably for oh good gosh but like I still go to Village Inn when I go to Nebraska because it's like I still want my skillet with pancakes, you know. Yeah. Like I still you don't you don't get that kind of food here unless you go yeah. to like restaurants that are like themed to be pancake houses. It's like a theme. Right. It's not like right. a, we're just a we're just a breakfast diner. Like you remember know? remember going down Fortieth Street um, on the way to campus. Mm -hmm. There was that Tasty's In and Out. Oh, which In and Out. Was, yeah. With, with Tasty's In and Out, which was this old old drive through where you just get these like grease ball of a hamburger they were My like own... they were like ground uh, what are they it was they more were... like a sloppy joe it was like a anything. sloppy joe without the sauce was how yeah it was it was like a loose meat sandwich yeah yeah My own... My uncle from California every time he came through to visit mm -hmm. um that was like a required like pilgrimage you can still get the tasty burger there's a new restaurant over there that's like kind of just by where tasties used to be and they serve oh, the tasty burger and it's the same recipe really... oh wow i didn't yeah, they, know that the fan i think i think the family i might be wrong but i feel like the i think the family gave them the 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 rights to use the the name because it says tasty and it's trademarked so like uh but yeah no tasty's in and out was really good and that was right by where we went to school but you can still get them um, you can make them too. In fact, I oh yeah. Let me write that down because I have the recipe for it, and I could make that. Do you like tasty burgers? Did you like tasty burgers? Oh, they weren't my thing. I loved them. I feel like if I was going, <laughs> I won't I, use that recipe then. But I did love them a lot. I I I, I was just like, if I'm going to get a burger, I'm going to get a fucking burger. Sure, you know? sure, I get that. I, did you I mean, what was what was your opinion on Honest Abe's burgers? I did like Honest Abe's a lot. They I were had great. It a couple times. They're are they gone now? Or are they still around? I think they're still around. I think they're on 70th and they've got like, two locations. There's one that was up on like 70th and Vine. It was like far away. That was the original one. And I yeah. I, I, I like that. I think that's still there. But I really like gourmet burger places that are modeled to be like fast food. Because I don't right. like to me, burger is fast. A burger is fast food. And that yeah. place just knew their shit there are some things of course i just don't like so i didn't get them but like i've gotten just 
I got a burger there that was like it was like a mac and cheese burger or something. Right. Or, yeah. I don't remember. It had gouda cheese. That was where I discovered I loved gouda cheese. Gouda it cheese was on is amazing. That I'll tell. I'll I tell you like this. It was what, just a cheese loaded burger. I like. I'll tell you this. I developed my taste for cheese working behind like the like uh you know the cold cuts counter at like High V, which is <laughs> for those of you that don't know, High V is a chain of grocery stores. I would like you know man of meat they're slice like gourmet just... grocery stores they're like you have all the different you have a bakery and a chinese yeah. place and an italian place and a yeah you know, a, uh, all these different windows to go yeah they have a real butcher there like they 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 they'd call my section the new york style deli but after living in new york i now know that it was about accounted for about one eighth of sure. what a new york style because a new york yeah. style deli is just a tiny grocery store when you think about it yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Or it's a, or it's a diner. Like yeah, delis are exactly. all the diners there, so like you can go exactly. And them. But I think that's funny. But that's that's a good way to do it, though. I mean, I I learned a lot about my taste working in restaurants when I left college and I had to have like a oh, pay yeah. the bills job. Like, oh, you yeah. know, even at Olive Garden, you learn a decent amount about Italian food there. I mean, even you though do. a lot of it's fake you and you know comes from the freezer, it's. <laughs> Right. Sorry if I'm spilling industry secrets. Don't sue me. But like, <laughs> I, but at the same time, all the sauces are handmade. They're not lying. They are handmade. And you learn a lot about how to cook pasta sauces, just yeah. helping the prep cooks sometimes or watching them. And then when I moved on to Copper Fox in downtown Chicago, shout out if it's open when this pandemic airs. God, I hope it is because that's the job I'll be going back to. Um, right. They, I mean, that was chefs. That was like, you know, three chefs all using their expert different expertise on things and that was like such a an elevation of learning cooking and right. I learned so many tricks from them like Frenchie shout out chef Courtney shout out I'll have them on the show someday and Patrick I'll have him on the show someday shout out um they taught me so much about home cooking and just like oh if you want to make bone broth do this it works better or if you if you want to get a crisper thing on this you know, like sandwich attorney, if you're trying to make a crispy chicken sandwich, that was right and trendy in the food stuffs when the pandemic right. started. I learned how to do it from them. They were like, this is how you do it to make it taste like it comes from a restaurant. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm, it's such invaluable information. And I don't remember what we were talking about, but <laughs> I just had to say that like, yeah, it definitely teaches you a lot. And yeah, I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. I digressed so heavily. Um, it's all good. Uh, let's let's kind of move away from Nebraska, and I want to talk about your family again. Um, yeah, or just people around you. It doesn't have to be family. Are there any? Is there anyone in your life that has made a dish that is like specifically for you, or like you know that like th they know that there is this one thing that you uh, just love to eat, and that person always makes it the right way. You know, is there someone in your life that does that? And maybe it's like one of your parents with one of the things they make. I don't think I have anyone who like has ever sat down and said like what is your favorite thing and let me cook it for you like whenever I'm home visiting my parents are always like okay you got to tell us what you want to eat while you're here sure, and sure. I'm like I, and I'm like I will eat whatever you serve because it's all freaking amazing let me and, <laughs> go ahead sorry it's like it's all um, amazing and like yes please just give, yeah, give yeah. me the food <laughs> my uh I do have a friend in um 
New York, and he is a major foodie who nice. loves to cook. He loves to cook and do dinner parties and stuff. Nice. Um, he's actually he, he's actually originally from India. Um, oh wow! That's... So like it's traditional Indian cooking. He's in oh like God. his er, he's in his like er, early thirties. He and his wife both are. They've got this kid. His I, his his shout out critique and olivia I've got this um, kid this kid y'all is <laughs> yeah 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 he um uh but like his, his critique's parents would come from india and stay with him and his wife every now mm-hmm. every now and again and olivia would always be like yeah his parents start cooking at like nine and ten in the morning so i have like the smell of like doll like in my kitchen and all doll. of these spices and stuff Indian food um, was such an awakening for me as an adult. Dude, it's that so, was so fucking good. Indi- like Indian food was like groundbreaking when I tried it. I yeah. adore Indian food. But this guy just like can freaking cook and knows what he's doing and knows that, you know, being like, you know, the, you know, hashtag starving artist that, you know, I am. Sure. I, uh, I always appreciate a free meal um i know so- hey you know what though it's that's totally fine because i'm the one that's like all my starving artist friends when they come to say in chicago you know if they yeah. ever do i'm like hey stay ps stay with me everyone because you'll get yeah free food. yeah yeah you'll get a yeah, free yeah, meal yeah. out of it like it's I, like um, a bnb at my place for no money <laughs> yeah i but i I love this guy's cooking and he makes all sorts of other stuff. And he, he definitely like whenever he's in a you know new area of the city, he will scope out his favorite spots, but he is, you know, he's, he's definitely someone who is like a big, his, he has a big philosophy of that food brings people together. Oh yeah. And so it's, it's definitely something for him that runs a lot deeper than just the act of cooking. I even need to meet he, this person because I feel like we have a lot in common. <laughs> you, you, like, let me tell you, you guys would get into some interesting conversations to say the least. I would probably just want to hear him talk the whole time about Indian food because that's, yeah, that's like a, that's a food genre that I, I tend to not really cook myself bec- unless it's like right. pre, pre-mixed curries or things like that. I know. Yeah. Cause it's I, like I, the, the, the spices are so intricate and the, and even changing the amounts can change the kind of curry you've made. Like it's so specific right, exactly. and regional and down to even family recipes. So that's amazing yeah. though, that, you know, there's someone out there who's, like that in in your life in in new york i always worry about you too because i'm like oh i'm not there to like cook for him and take care of him because i don't know you're sort of like another little brother to me you're like my little brother that isn't biological because i do have a little brother right but he's six years younger than me so he's you know his world is so different from mine and you know we're cool and like we love each other and we're like he and i are bros but i'm like you are the more like level with me like you're the same like we've got a little more of the same lived experience we have more we have more in common because we're like yeah same age yeah 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 and you know it's so funny i always like to it sounds so like not stereotypical but just kind of like horny that all the men in my life who i don't date basically become brothers (laughs) but it's so true it's like the connection is so much like a brother connection like all the guys in the house you know, Aaron, Derek, Matt, Nick, they're like my big brothers. Yeah. I was the young one. I was the young one in that situation, which 
you know, was different from me and you and, you know, and Richard is like a big brother to me too. So like all these, all these, I have lots and lots of brothers in my mind. So, oh, man. but, but, you well, know, I, yeah. <laughs> you, you, I definitely, you know, very quickly when we first met thought of you like a brother, you oh. kept my, you kept my ass out of trouble. Um, and I definitely, I didn't get my own ass. Well, I was not good at that for myself. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Not as I, you do. Know? I, I um, did try to look out for you as much as I could. You did. You did. And you like, you know, if it wasn't for you, who knows how many times I would have managed to step on my own dick. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I don't know. I think, I think too, it's so hard at that age, especially, you know, in college, we're all still developing and. I had my share of issues. You had, you know, whatever you were going through at that time. Everyone's going through yeah, something at that yeah. time. You, and, you, you and I definitely, there were, uh, I can think back to very specific times in college where you and I sort of just went shoulder to shoulder and like we, we took on our shit together. Yeah. It was a, a thing of like, it was one of the first times I think where I had someone that shared the you know the the struggle so to speak it wasn't you know so many yeah. people in my life did have struggle not to say that no one else did but they they it was something that they knew how to take care of for themselves mostly yeah. and if it was with other people it wasn't me so you right. know i didn't know what their their experiences were like but for me and you it was a lot of you know you and i face similar like not misgivings but just like we face similar shit and yeah we we yeah. know that we have to power through otherwise yeah. it's just going to be disastrous and i think that you know definitely kind of kept me aware of myself in some ways because i was like i have to remember that there are younger people in the room and mm -hmm. that they're impressionable and right doesn't matter who you are if an if a freshman sees what a junior is doing they're going to want to emulate it because that's right. the nearest thing they have to a professionalist a professional i suppose so like right i don't know that really definitely you and i i think were good to each other and that we helped keep each other in check and also just yeah. like we knew that if one of us was struggling we would help one another out it was like absolutely that, and i think that's what really true friendships are built on and you know and i luckily you know there are other people in my life for me that have been there too and it's but it's one of those things where it's like, I know of the one person that can help me in this moment. And in my case, it was, you know, as I was a junior and senior in school and as Richard was starting to figure out his life post-college, uh, mm -hmm. you and I were kind of like, you know, I was like, I know I can't be beleaguer him with all of these things in a way. But for me and you, it's like you and I were just similar in how we struggled. And so it was yeah. easier to be empathetic and vulnerable i suppose is a, is, yeah. is a way to put it but well, i, I mean can, yeah i can say you've never beleaguered me with anything um, i i suppose i shouldn't put but, those words in his mouth too i really was yeah. i really didn't want to bother him at that point no, yeah. i knew that he was he was going on a very intense journey of his own and yeah yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, I shouldn't have said beleaguered. <laughs> I just know like, it's, you know, it's, it's, okay, you know, I've, I've other, never, like, I've never, I've, I never in my time with you have I thought of like, you know, us helping each other through, you know, our mutual, you know, our individual trials and tribulations that we face, you know, through our lives as being mm -hmm. something that has been like taxing on me. Sure. Um, 
For but friends, I, I, it, it should never be a burden. It shouldn't. It, I definitely, yeah. I mean, if there's one thing that I have, you know, taken away is that I know what like real friendship looks like from like growing and like developing, you know, you know, such a bond with you is that it's like, it's, you know, it's not just someone you like to spend time with. It's someone that will get right into that deep, dark hole that you're living in at, in a moment. And if anything else, they're just going to be there with you. Sure. Sure. They and can't do anything. If they can't do anything else, they're just going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, that's one of the things that I really value about people, especially the people, you know, who I've gone on to meet and all that kind of thing too. It's, we all have share that similar quality that was established with me and you, which was that, you know, people are going to be there for you in the, in the moments that are the hardest. And, you know, that's definitely something that me and Richard had at the beginning of our friendship. And that's something that Dylan and I have as, you know, partners. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely a quality that I think I knew of, but you definitely were the one that I think inspired me to look for that in other people and realize that your friends don't have to be the popular ones. They can be the ones that just treat you like who you really are and who are good to you, you know? And I think that was a big hurdle I had to go through was kind of questioning why the people who I viewed as more socially successful than me, why couldn't I be their friend at that time? Well, I was crazy, but you know, (laughs) that's the reason, but at at the same time, it's like, I still learn to value. It's like, you know, there are people who accept me in my crazy. And right. those are the right. people who I would, I should gravitate towards first. And, you know, yeah. and not to poo poo on everyone else, but, you know, it, it, we all become friends in different ways too. That's kind of the beauty of life right. is that friendships are formed right. out of so many different various situations. But with me and you, it was so instant. And so, you know, like we, forgiving we of like- each other's misgivings and, problems and stuff like we didn't see each other for that yeah and um no it was like definition of right place right time i couldn't have uh i couldn't have found like a better best friend to have personally oh that's sweet (laughs) that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside i i just feel so lucky that i have more than one person in my life that i can share such a deep friendship with And, you know, I'm lucky that you came into my life when you did, just because I feel like, you know, you were actually one of the first people, too, that really showed me it's like being a role model is important and doing the right thing is important. It's it's not about it's not always about how people are going to perceive you. Yeah, it's about principle. And I think our friendship really showed me that I had to have principle in order to maintain some kind of stasis for myself in life because I'd never really lived with principle before it was always just kind of willy-nilly I just did what I did and Uh. and so yeah I really feel like having that sort of awareness that I did have such an influence on someone from the start I'm like oh I had to kind of take a step back and be like okay I can't be doing some of the things I'm doing and expect to be a good role model you know I can't I have to figure some shit out in order to be a person who I would want, I would want to look up to. So yeah, I I think you were very instrumental in me kind of growing into the empathetic person that I am and accepting person that I am. And, you know, 
I, I'm always appreciative that I've got so many people in my life that, you know, have, have become my family, my chosen family, in addition to my real mm-hmm. family. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of startling sometimes to kind of take a look around. It's like, oh shit, wow, I have, I have good people around. Like it's, and I'm glad, you know, it's, I'm yeah, not alone. You, I'm not alone anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I, I would definitely say that, you know, that idea of being a good role model, I, I have definitely, as I've gotten older, found myself in the same positions of, you know, I, I, I joked about do as I say, and, and, you know, not as I do before, mm-hmm. but now, I, now I find myself in this position of, you know, uh, you know, again, coming to a place of where I have acting on, you know, acting on principle and doing what, you know, you know, following through with the advice that I give other people now and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, being a role model for people in their like early twenties who are in my life now. And, you know, I find myself in that position now that I'm older. And I, I would definitely say that, you know, in turn, when like, you know, back when we were in school together, I definitely, you know, you, you definitely like were a great role model. And I kind of try to follow suit because it's just like, I want, you know, my best friend to be proud of me. Yeah. And I, of course I'm leaps and bounds proud of you because you've, you've gone so much further than I did in theater. And I mean, you know, you went on to study in Russia and you did, you know, all sorts of work with that theatrical culture, which isn't, you know, so fascinating to me just to read about. And not only that, but, you know, you did the thing that I not didn't have the guts to do, but that I didn't really want for myself, but I wanted for everyone who did it, who did it, which was you moved to New York and you, you started to make a life for yourself. And then the pandemic happens and everything goes to hell. But, you know, like you, you did the things though, that I, I knew you would, you set out for yourself. It wasn't, I never questioned that. I was like, no, Drew will do it. Like he'll do it because he's, he's got guts and he, you know, he's, he is the risk taker that I, you know, that I knew you to be at the time. You just honed it in a lot. <laughs> like, you know, you've, you've, yeah, cra- yeah, you've yeah. crafted the risk taking is, yeah, but yeah, yeah no, yeah. I mean, I definitely, I'm definitely, you know, very proud of all the things you've done. And, you know, it, it, it warms my heart a lot to know that I, I had any kind of positive influence on a friend, you know, that's always so flattering and, you know, humbling for me because right. to me it's just like i just want to be a good guy <laughs> i just want to be like i just want to vouch for people that's really all i want you know and if it works that is the best thing at the end of the day that's all you can ever hope to be right yeah and i mean that's always been how i am you know and i show it a lot through food and it's kind of where this whole podcast came from you know You've been, you wanted- that was that i i didn't know how to befriend people after college because i was so broken mentally that the only mm-hmm. thing I knew was like, well, I know I can cook really good food and that comes from the heart. And I hope that they understand that. And they did. Yeah. All the guys, you know, they got it immediately. They're like, Oh, this is how he shows his affection for us. It isn't through, yeah. you know, it, it isn't through all these other things. It isn't through conversation necessarily. It is, he cooks for us because he, he wants us to be close. And, yeah. you know, I, that's at least that's what I hope they thought, but like, you know, I, I, I think that's what it was, but uh, yeah, it's definitely just who I am to just be like, I want people all to have, <laughs> I want every, I want to take everyone to the fair to get cotton candy. <laughs> that's, 
that's who I am. <laughs> right, right. I, some people think it's the other way around. Jack Parker's fair is where you get cotton candy. Well, I'm going to fucking <laughs> take you there. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I believe in fairness and and but fair, like responsibility with it, too. Not just yeah. an equal inequality yeah. of voice. But, you know, I do think that people deserve a chance. And, yeah, you know, I was given so many chances by so many different people despite the misgivings i came to understand later on mm -hmm. and it's like damn people were patient <laughs> you know it's like i need yeah. to, i need to show that and i need to, yeah. I need to give that back so absolutely um, but uh i let's let's wrap up here with the the food because this is this is going to be like the heart most heartfelt episode of the entire show oh, be like, i'm like i'm like a lot of like it's a lot of me and Drew just like loving on each other, but that's great. <laughs> that, I mean, that's what we do. Like, you know, we, I mean, it, that is a great, actually, it is a great thing to example of our friendship is that you and I are kind of, we're yes men to each other. And I think any good friend is that type of person to their, to their closest friends. But yes. you and I are like sensible yes men to one another. We know how to sound <laughs> things off of one another. Yeah. And we've also break we've it also into been, a logical thing. And we've also been capable of calling each other out on yeah. our shit. Yeah, we know it's like that's I don't something know that we are that's something we're not afraid to do with one another. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's because we do it in what I view as the healthy way, where is it it's not like it can never be improved, you know, yeah. or that it can never be worked on, or that it's yeah, such a such a fault that it it's cause for, you know, the uh what am I trying to say? It's like it's not a fault. It's like a thing of look. I mean, this is something that you are grappling with, or this is something that you need to work on. But that you'll get it done. Like I know yeah. you'll work on it and get it done. There's just like a a weird heightened level of respect. I feel like when it comes to I, criticism, and you know, and you know what I think that comes out of is that you know there was there was you know there was about like four or five months where you and I didn't talk for various reasons. Yeah. We, yeah. we, 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 we had a bit of a, I don't want to call it a falling out, but like, we just, we need to take some time. Cause we just, we weren't, we weren't seeing eye to eye. No. And, and I think, um, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No. Yeah. But like, I think once we kind of like got over that, mm -hmm. once we kind of like, once we kind of got over ourselves, that's like, really what we, it was. Yeah. Or at I think, least for I think, myself. Yeah. For me too, we both we both kind of just had to like swallow our pride and get off our you know, get off our high horses and meet back down on planet Earth. That um, you know, I think yeah. I think that I think that experience has only tempered the relationship. Sure, and you know the one thing I you know think about now especially is that everyone makes choices in life that are their choices to make. And yeah. whether or not you agree with them or, you know, respect them or whatever it is, that is not grounds for the complete demolition of a relationship. Yeah. It's just like how I, I think there's this weird idea that some people think, and it comes with maturity too, I think this whole idea yeah. of like respect. But, you know, I think some people really in their youth do think that, one disagreement is grounds for it all to be gone because yeah everything has to be perfect for some reason especially that was the very first time you and i ever truly disagreed with one another that and was like that was like had that any was... kind of feeling that wasn't um 
proponent it was or like to the other person it was very i have a set of beliefs that i agree with and why are you not agreeing with them and that is where the sort of the triggering came from i guess yeah and down the line you know once i was like you know i didn't take into account you know i i didn't what am i trying to say i didn't get mad at people for telling me that i shouldn't have moved to chicago when i knew that was my path and mm -hmm. i didn't blame them for that and i'm like i need to do yeah. the same thing you know and yeah i think too it's it's hard at that at that time it was hard too because i was you know still kind of like on my own i hadn't really gotten as close as i am with the guys and you know it was um it, it was just a hard time that's the thing it yeah. was a difficult time and once you're out of the difficult time the grass is always greener yeah and so it's like yeah. you know i shouldn't be so persnickety about this when i can't deny you your happiness or your goals to achieve what you want in life i can't deny mm -hmm. you of that that's not being a friend so yeah. you know i think for myself that was the thought process and you're right it did definitely give a better perspective to our friendship because i think it allowed for us to know that we can have opposing ideas or disagreements, but that doesn't eliminate the respect that we have for one another, nor does it mean that we can't entertain those notions as in our own mind. It, it kind of gives a gateway to be like, let me try to see this from your perspective rather than I just disagree with it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, it's kind of, it's a little bit like we have sort of the, um, the like, what's the word i'm looking for uh the just like the eight no <laughs> the midas something touch. like That's that just, right. like, just sort of like sort of like like you know the the zenith of like understanding that you wish all people had for one another sure, sure. in terms yeah. of like being able to like say you know yes this is you know this is my perspective but you know being able to comprehend the perspective of another uh, can only improve me i don't necessarily have to buy in or believe but maybe mm. i can take five minutes to like walk in another person's shoes sure yeah and it's yeah that's totally right i get yeah for sure but yeah no. it's i don't know it's um it's definitely like i feel like my relationship with you is so just unique in that way and that you know we we're able to, you know, you live across the country, basically, or halfway across the country from me, usually when yeah. you're in New York. And yeah, and not in Lincoln. You're not halfway across the country right now. But like, uh, but either way, we don't, we, you know, we don't live in the same regions. And I think no. that's really telling of our friendship too, because, you know, I I can still have such a such a fulfilling relationship and friendship with you from far away. And and that I that I really think takes takes effort and that you know, takes willpower and you know a lot whole lot of love too. But yeah, you know. But yeah, we could go on and on. But the point is, I I am proud of you, and I and I'm you know happy that you're seeking out what you want to do in life, and that you've never had that. Uh, I feel like that's never not that's always been the option. There's never right. been another option. And right. I'm, you know, it's just nice that you've stuck with it and I'm happy about that. Um, but anyway, let's wrap up because 
we're on i think like an hour and 40 minutes so, oh my god <laughs> yeah well that always happens it always happens i'm always like oh it'll yeah, never yeah, be yeah. that long and i have to i'm doing two of these today too uh kate Jesus. kate demaret is next and oh wow tell her I'm like, for me i will and i'm like that's gonna be a marathon because she was the first friend i made that liked to cook and yeah. so that's a whole subset of things we have to talk about that's... And i'm like and we're not talking until eight because she has to put her kids to bed oh my god yeah and i'm like She's oh got... my god it's gonna go into the evening <laughs> they're growing up so fast too it's crazy to see how fast they grow up i met her daughter when she was still an infant like still in, oh in, in a yeah in a, in a Carrier, and I'm like, oh my god, to see them talking and right making sentences and like comprehending, it's always weird to watch kids grow up like that. And you know, it's wild. Know that you know, at one point in life, you and that friend had swore off children because you hated them, and when you were both twenty, right? <laughs> and then, then she has the cutest children that are so funny. When I visited her before the pandemic, it was maybe a couple years ago. Now, her son was, I think, two, mm -hmm. and yeah and her her daughter was like very newborn still um but her son would just tip things over walk around <laughs> tip things over uh-oh walk around tip more things over it was oh the my god i could see kate just being like oh my god and, and to me i'm just thought it was the funniest thing because i'm like this is like what this is like what my brother and i were it's like why do things fall it's like you're, they're just yeah. still like why is this yeah. falling you know if i do this little do they know the mess they're making or the amount of stress right causing, but right it's just, so, it's just i couldn't help but laugh oh literally I, exploring physics and having no comprehension yeah no anything else yeah you can't just give them a book you know it's right like, exactly they'll throw it on the ground and wonder why it fell faster than the thing they just pushed over you know it's like, like it's, just, it's, it's just like it's time for a nap there isaac newton you literally <laughs> um but my last question so my last question for you uh is the one i ask it's a, everyone it's the i used to call it the clickbait question now i just call it the top <laughs> fives so uh, your top five food loves and food hates. You don't have to have five of each, but I just feel like that's an adequate number if people have a lot. So, you know, yeah. but do you have your top fives? Uh, yeah, let's see if I can remember them. Uh, sure, let's do loves first. I tend to do loves, loves. first. Yeah. Coffee. Yes. Dark chocolate salted caramels. Um. Mexican food, okay. Chinese food. These are all good, and, these are all good choices. And I feel I'd be amiss if I didn't mention beer. Yeah, for sure. I would be like, why? I, if if I didn't notice it, I'd go back in the notes later when I'm editing and be like, why didn't he talk about beer? Like you know, you'll just you'll you'll remove one of them and you'll just dub over beer, beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I would or I would probably be like. Drew should have mentioned beer here too. Like I'll add in my own footnotes into the episode, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, do you have like a specific kind of beer that you prefer? Cause for me, it's German, like Kolsch, mm -hmm. like Kolsch's or, you know, the kind oh, of the yeah. lighter zingier beers rather than the dark malty bitter or bitter ones. Um, I can tell like IPAs are not my thing because sure. you just, you taste the hops. It's like, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to drink grass. That's yeah, how I see I, it. Yep, I, don't, I don't like it. I like. I 
for a little context, I spent two and a half years working in a job in the beer industry. So I got to try a lot of beer and I got to learn a lot about beer and, you know, a little bit about boot beer and food pairings, but not, not a ton in that regard, but, you know, you learn a lot about like, you know, the ingredients that go into beers, how a little bit of the active chemistry involved, um, and just like what makes beer taste the way it does, um, and why it's good. Um, I do, I tend to go for definitely, definitely the German styles are what I like. I do tend to go for a little bit more of the maltier things like the Marzins or the box. Um, but I will always have a good lager just because they're so universal. Sure. I do like lager too. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you know, the one thing I think is so interesting now that I start reading more and more books during this pandemic and, you know, buying more and more bookshelves to Dylan's chagrin. Uh, we, <laughs> there's so many things about how beer is such a important part of world history that is not really yes. discussed. And so I'm kind of starting to, I found a book, it's, I'm going to order it, I think. And it's really about that. There's also the book, The History of the World in Six Glasses and or in Six mm-hmm. Beverages or Six Drinks, whatever it's called, but beer is one of them. But yeah, yeah beer is like fascinating. And who knew? I mean, I feel yeah. like we all grow up and like drink Budweiser on Super Bowl Sunday oh, yeah, beer. Like, and then and you and don't understand like, that like beer has literally like been a drink since before the egyptians like you know yeah and like, it's just like it's just like and then you're in college with like the natty light and oh, like you know the abs- you know just the absolute piss water that PBR is like, you know, experienced its its resurgence when we yeah. were in college pbr yeah. was, the, was the beer of choice that and was like, like that was that why? was highbrow drinking in your early 20s dude i mean i don't mind a budweiser or a mick ultra with like a burger if i eat american food yeah. i firmly believe you should drink american beer because they're meant yes. to be eaten with stadium food type of thing yes but that doesn't mean i won't you know turn down a good german beer if, anyway if, but if you're but looking yeah. for other if you're looking for other reading on beer i highly recommend the brewmaster's table that is written by the I believe former head brewer of the Brooklyn Brewing Company. Okay. That's a book he wrote. And then there is um, Tasting Beer and Radical Brewing, both by um, Randy Mosher. Tasting. So those are two books, Tasting Beer and Radical Brewery. Yeah, Radical two separate Brewing. books. Okay. Yeah, two separate books, same guy. If you're looking, um, there's, I forget the name of it, but there's, uh, I think it's called like, you know, Brewmaster's Wives or something, which is a lot of like older, old history. Sure. Of, beer there's a lot of it's it's interesting you'll see a lot of people trying to learn like old medieval german because yeah. they're trying to like translate old recipes Pretty that much. came from like you know that came from like third century brewer monks yeah and it, it's interesting to me too one why do monks make so much alcohol and two especially if you're a celibate person why do you make alcohol that's my question maybe they weren't right. celibate back well, then or like or, or not drinking but like uh, to me, it, that's interesting, the monk thing. But also, I, it is very true. German is just basically very old English, like yes. in its structure yes. and in words. And so I I kind of want to learn German just so I can have a better understanding of European cuisine, because a lot yeah. of it is in if, German. Like if you want to get if you want to get into interesting history of beer, uh, you should look at the story of the Maybach. OK, the Maybach. Um, 
Yeah, it was. It, it's a style of beer that was made by German brewer monks. They were looking for something to substitute for water because it's medieval times. The water sure. was undrinkable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They made they made a beer and they sent it to um, uh, Rome for the Pope to try because they're like, can this be a substitute during the time of Lent? Which if you don't know what Lent, for those of you who don't know what Lent is, it's basically a time of like uh, fasting and like, you know, self-denial for Christians. 40 days of absolute pure hell is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had to give up Coca-Cola for 40 days every year growing up for Lent because I was like, you can't drink soda during Lent. She's it's going to kill it, me for making fun of her on this show. <laughs> but um, the, the problem with it was is that this, this beer got heavily infected along the way. So it tasted terrible when the Pope tried it. And he's like, hell sure. yes, this stuff sucks. Yeah. But needless to say, that beer did not. Hell yeah, that beer, it's horrible. <laughs> that, that beer did not taste nearly as bad in the home region in Germany. So you just had a lot of very drunken happy peasants that's a very sure, simplified sure. version of the story well but, um i think it's interesting too that beer you know alcohol in general and wine too was usually used as an antiseptic in ancient civs, yes civilizations it was not I mean, uh, it wasn't like you drank a glass of beer it was you took a glass of beer and put it in a barrel of water and then you drank that yeah so yeah like it was it was a del- it was a measure used to kill off whatever lingering bacteria was still in the water. This was right. before world pollution and famine. You know, like, yeah. you know, this is Fun, the, the ancient times. Fun alcohol fact. Um, during the start of the pandemic, um, a lot of tequila distilleries um, started to come out with hand sanitizer. Yeah, well, we bought so, a lot. And gin, gin and vodka. Gin, yeah, yeah. yeah so that was so there's, a lot of, there's a lot of hand sanitizer rolling, running around New York that smells vaguely of tequila. We have the gin one and it kind of does smell like juniper a little bit. And it's kind of like, I oh, love, yeah. I love the smell of gin. I hate the smell of vodka, but no, there was, there was a huge push at the beginning of the pandemic here. Cause there's so many local distilleries in Chicago. I, yeah. I mean, every target grocery store anywhere. It was like, like, we're not making gin this week. We're making yeah. hand sanitizer. And you could buy, yeah. you could buy Jack Daniels hand sanitizer or like, you know, uh whatever i think it was like beef eater hand sanitizer because they usually make gin but it was so right. weird to see like all these alcohol companies but you know to me that just reminds me of like world war ii when all the metallurgy companies and welding companies switched to making planes or exactly to making material for war like but the mere fact that these companies were not forced by law to do it yeah. it, i have i gained a lot of respect for the alcohol industry i was oh. like you know that's pretty badass you know I- Absolutely. I mean, it's to a certain degree, it's just like, all right, there is a supply and demand going on. Let's get More in on this. Need and, this, and they do a drink right now because yeah. drinks can't save your life or help yeah. save your life. But yeah, the money, the money like they're getting, the money they're giving back to, um, you know, special interest groups to keep restaurants and bars open. Like that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. you know nothing to sneeze at. You know, yeah, it's just it's hard when it's ten a.m. and I'm like, you know, putting hand sanitizer on, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I'm like in the back of my head, I'm like, do I have like salt and limes in the fridge? My worry would be like if I put hand sanitizer on and walk in somewhere, and they're like, "Are you drunk? 
Right? Smell like alcohol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm not, not like drunk, I promise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so uh, do you have your top five food hates? Oh gosh, this is actually harder than the loves. Um, okay. I've never liked pears. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, they're just not my thing. Um, I like them in the fall. They're kind of a fall I don't, for me. I, I always... I never like it when, so my, I, it's a little vague, but um, I never like it when you put fruit in an entree dish, like in a warm entree dish. Okay. Um, that's, that's always strange to me. My dad, actually, I, he'd, he'd kick my ass if I didn't tell you. Um, but uh, my dad in the last year has, you know, gotten very, very much into cooking since he's been home. Sure, um, sure, yeah. He used to he used to get this magazine that would have like recipes and you know cooking tips in it. But the problem was is that they would ask for these dishes would be like you know oh you have to you know basically they would call for something that only a fresh French chef would know how to do. Yeah, or, or the like, other thing too is like a lot of the magazine recipes that aren't Food Network. Food Network is good about this, but a lot of the yeah. other ones are like take half of your day and make the first part of this recipe. Yeah. It takes it's like, like six oh hours to make. <laughs> yeah. It takes like, it's yeah. So like, he's just like, he got really frustrated. So something that my mom did is he signed him up for a subscription to a different magazine and it's a far more like you still make incredible dishes, but yeah. like, this is, this is all stuff that like, you know, you can feasibly do. He, sure. I think he very much enjoys, you know, following the recipe, taking his own spin on it, doing it again, making it better. Um, he says you're, he, he wanted me to pass on the information, by the way, that you're welcome over anytime that you can come over to cook with him. I would love to do that. And I definitely, Dylan and I want to take a vacation as soon as this pandemic is fucking over and we are like financially able to. And I would love to come to Nebraska. I mean, Dylan uh -huh. wants to come back to Nebraska and see my family, but I'd love to come over yeah. and cook. Although I wonder what we could cook together. I'm not good at cooking with people. Like that's well, not a strong point for me. He'll <laughs> cook, I'm listen, so solitary he'll, usually. He'll just cook for you. You want a free meal, he'll cook and for you. I'm in. That's fine. Shellfish. You know what I mean? You don't even you don't even need to be I I don't even need to be there like, you know. My parents love you. Why is so. your dad's name escaping me right now? Why can't I think of his name? Mike? Mike, that's right. Hey, I knew it started with an M. But I'm mm -hmm. like, but tell Mike yeah. that I want lobster and shrimp and <laughs> steak. I want surf and he, turf. Let's do a surf and turf now. <laughs> he actually, he actually made surf and turf uh, about two weeks ago, and it was great. Oh, it's we were laughing. Surf and turf. He was, he was, he was looking at my mom, and he's like, you know, because we had, like I said at the start, we had lobster tail this Christmas, and he's like, and he's just like, you know. Vicky, is there anything that you would ever want me to make with lobster? She's like, yeah, lobster bisque. And he's like, good. I have 12 more ta lobster tails in the freezer. And no one knew that he bought them in bulk because I guess that's the only way he could get them. But we're like, what the hell? What? Oh, my God. I would do like lobster rolls. I know that's the mm -hmm. thing here because Dylan's from that region. But bisque is a good one. Oh, man. Yeah. Lobster bisque is there's so it's so funny. We're talking about all these really good things I would never make at home, but it's so funny. Like I have found that I've craved like the most super rich food you can really only get in restaurants 
And it's like, God damn it. I can't go to restaurants right now. That's and order these things. Like that's half of the, I think that's a lot of the reason is that, you know, my dad, my dad's always been a good cook, but like he just, he started finding these new recipes and trying his hand at them. And every night my mom and I are just consistently blown away and we're like, I'm just like, Holy hell, do I really need to go back to New York? Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) that's funny. Uh, but no, I would love to have your dad's cooking and yeah. just to see your family again. I always loved visiting your family. Your mom always used to come visit me when I worked at Shopco. She would <laughs> like go, she would, she would go. go to Shopco she, and she, she would know the days I was there at one point. Yeah. Cause I would tell, I told her it's like, come on like Tuesdays, Thursdays and Sundays. Cause I'm usually working those days. That was like, that's when like, she like, showed up. She would go on those days. And like, that was like another thing. It's just like, you know, didn't even need to put that on the list. She's like, this is part of the Shopco experience for me now. You get to see Wesley. Yeah. It's Seeing so Wesley. funny too. Yeah. If I saw her, it was always really funny because uh, she would wait in line for me to be her cashier. And I always thought that was so sweet because I'm always like, you can go to someone else's line and I can, you know, it's fine. I'll, I'm, I'm no. here all the time. But, you know, I always felt bad because she usually meant she'd have to wait to get into my line. But you're stuck with us, you know? <laughs> But no, I do. That is a fond memory I have of, of your family. And I used to, I mean, we used to hang out at your parents' house all the time. So in oh, your basement, yeah. we would watch movies in your basement or play pool. I miss playing pool in your basement. That's probably one still thing. Still got that. That's one memory I really have. Table up. Yeah. You'd always whoop my ass too. And I always think I'm so good at it. I'm like, I'm so good at playing pool. And then every one of my friends is like, no, Wesley, you actually really suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's thanks. It's, it's tradition that I. <laughs> kick ass at that table and, well you have it that's the thing i forget it's like well he lives there so yeah or he lived there so however long they've had it he's probably had time to practice i spent i spent all of high school just getting really good at pool i think i always think i'm good because i won one tournament in middle school <laughs> like oh god against, yeah against probably the worst pool player i'd ever met you know it was like i only just, won because uh, he sucks take the trophy at uh Lincoln Elementary, you know? <laughs> it was Irving Middle School. I went, to Irving. Oh, I went to Irving. Yeah. My elementary school was Prescott. So that was, that's in oh, my gosh. neighborhood, though. That, it's an old school. It's gorgeous school, but it's old. Um, Pres- oh, yeah. Um, what else? So, so pears, fruit, and entrees, and entrees. <laughs> I said that wrong. Um, and then did you um, have any other hates? I can't think of anything if whoever we went out to eat and you, you said explicitly, I don't like that. I always feel like you're willing to try things. I, my attitude with food is if I haven't had it before, I'm not going to make any preconceived like. You're not going to not like it off the bat. I'm not going to not like it off the bat. There are things that I prefer over others. Like I'm not really big on pork. I don't like if my dad cooks a ham, like I'll obviously eat it. Sure. But, you know, I have my preferences, but I don't know if there's anything that like I actively avoid. Sure, that sure. That's, and that's fine. I mean, I think that that's good because it's I mean, no offense to Dylan, but he's picky. And, yeah, you know, I, he, I mean, he's he's not as picky as he was. And he definitely I will say to give him credit, 85 percent of the food I cook, he'll love if he's never had it. Right. Before. But I don't get to eat a lot of the same foods I used to. I mean, that's probably for yeah. better because it was just like cheese and potatoes, but like, yeah. you know, and butter. But like the thing is, is like I, I I do appreciate it when, you know, someone views it the other way around of not being afraid to not like it. Rather, maybe I will like it 
because I just you have kind of uh, an expansive palette you yeah i think i think one of the great parts about living in like a major city is that you get exposed to so many different like oh, culinary yes. styles oh um, yeah uh you know other cultures of food other you know sorts of takes on like you know dishes fusion cooking is a thing like it's you know mm-hmm. you get exposed to so much and it's just like why not try it yeah and find- especially you know Cities like New York and Chicago, LA, those three cities really lead the charge, I think, on United States food culture. Maybe Austin, Texas, too. Yeah. Um, and Miami. Yeah, Texas, too. But like Miami. But like those, okay, so those five cities, rather, those mm-hmm. are the food cities. And yeah. I, it's so true. You go there and not only do you get the regional cuisine and the and the average cuisine that people just like, you know, that's the, you know, like pizza or things like that, but they're so specified to those areas. And especially in New York, I mean, my God, this New York is its own beast of a food culture. And so oh, is Chicago yeah. and, you know, and, yeah. but they're so different, which is why I love them. And New and, York is and, a lot of kind of the like original Italian American cuisine. Yes. And yes. Chicago is the, modified midwestern original like it's like the original yes. our version of it like <laughs> yes but i yes. love that i love that you know living in a big city definitely it, it, it's it's like um throwing a giant dictionary on the table as far as and sometimes eat. and you know what sometimes there's you know and sometimes at the same time there's nothing quite like a dollar slice like i that have too. my I have my spot in Manhattan that I will walk the 20 minutes if I'm in like the like general sure. vicinity to get my dollar slice. Sometimes there's nothing like a Nathan's chili dog oh, on a damn. walk through the park. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And we, you know, my old, my, or not my old friends, my friend's old apartment used to be next to a pizza place here called Bartoli's. And they're one of the few pizza places that sells the Bartoli's. No, that's, that's the brand. That's the brand in the freezer section. Yeah. What the fuck is the name of this pizza restaurant? Anyway, they there was one of the few. I'm, it sucks. Yeah. I could I could promote them. I'll voice it in. Um, sponsored. Sponsored. It it's on. Okay, go to it. It's on the Addison Brown line. It's on Damon and Addison. So go to that one. And it's, oh, it's when, but in, in Chicago. But yes, no, I was, I just, I'm so sorry. I just thought of somewhere I went in Chicago the last time I was there when I saw you. In Did I take York. you there? No. I think I took I'll you to you, lose. You took me to lose. I'll tell you what I went to with my boss when I was in Chicago was a little joint called Fatso's Last Stand. Oh, that's, that's a good place. Oh yeah. I, I think a lot of people here know that. That's kind of that area you were staying in, isn't it? Kind of yeah yeah but it's not by me because that was not my area no i gotta say though that was a that was a bomb hamburger that i got there yeah that place was great you're in i i recommend that joint when i know people are headed to chicago sure i i'm trying to find this pizza place pizza place addison and damon no it is bartoli's i was right oh, oh yeah i was right that place is fucking bomb for pizza by the slice. That's where I used to go when I would do studio sessions um, for my first album. That was where we would go eat. And I was always funny because it was always, they sold Coke. They're one of the few pizza places here that had Coke for your oh, no kidding. slice. Cause everyone sells Pepsi usually if they're the cheaper, cause pe- Pepsi's cheaper, but like, really? Okay. Yeah. 
fun industry fact pepsi's typically less expensive than coke just because it's a it's a smaller it's technically I a feel, smaller company like and it's american yeah so. i'd buy that i but i just i feel like yeah i just feel like i see coke more that i'm surprised that you know i in yeah, a major city pepsi sure. would be more but either way bartoli's had coke with their pizza and when we, i was recording oh, wow. the album i couldn't drink coke when i was recording because it really oh it screws yeah, yeah so yeah. i would have to be like just water <laughs> you know, it's warm yeah. water i'd have to drink warm water with eating pizza on a hot day in the summer i recorded oh. indigo during the summer here because your voice is best at about 85 degrees yeah and so we would kind of we would sit in our non-air conditioned studio and They'd oh, have a geez. fan on in their room and I'd be in the soundproof room and, you know, having heartburn from pizza and warm water. Oh, no <laughs> wonder. I think uh, I did cold after that one time. I think I was like, fuck this. I'll be fine. You, you know, you're I'll, just, just, you're, I'll just breathe in the humid ass air. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, no, I do. I do agree with you, though. Having your street places to go. And I, I, I wish Chicago had delis like New York. Yeah, God, I wish we had that. That's like the my, one thing we don't have. I used to live in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and I'll tell you, the deli on the corner of my block might have made the greatest bacon, egg, and cheese. Oh shit! I, I don't I've doubt ever, it. I've ever had. I don't like, doubt it. It was like the cheese to bagel ratio was like perfect. Like every bite, you got that like string from like mm-hmm. mouth to like sandwich uh that's how you know when it's good by the way there's nothing like a new york bagel too i mean that's the first thing i get when i go to new york is a bagel yes i get an i get a lox bagel i get a lox everything bagel with cream cheese that's the very first thing and capers i'll get that at a deli or if they don't have lox because sometimes they're sold out because i fly in at night usually i'll yeah (laughs) that's how i am uh i'll get a breakfast bagel at some deli in new york out in Greenpoint, out in Greenpoint, there's this joint called Peter Pan's Donuts, and um, like there's there'd be a line out the door in the morning because this place is pretty well known. Sure. Um, uh, but there'd be a line out the door in the morning, and like I might walk by at like two in the afternoon, a little later, if I'm just out and about in my neighborhood, and that place was picked clean. Sure. Yeah, we God, we had so many good donut places here, and then a lot of them closed. I think oh. I think the food trend shifted and yeah. they weren't as busy anymore. Because Chicago, go ahead, sorry. No, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. Cause there there came like a point when like you had a lot of those like specialty donut shops. Yes. Like, and it kind of became like a it was like the frozen yogurt craze. And then like, sure. you know, people people are like, I'm done with this health shit. Give me something that's gonna clog my arteries a little more. And then the donut craze happened. Yeah. And Chicago, like I said, you know, it's one of the five cities chicago leads on food trend a lot yeah like we are in tune with what is trendy and the day that the donut places were not really like trendy anymore they went away it was so crazy how quickly they all went and now you know there are still good donut places around but usually if i'm getting on the train there's just duncan so like yeah and i get you know and it was so before the pandemic i would get coffee almost every day from Duncan um because it oh, was yeah. I usually worked dinner so it was I would get on the train at 2 30 or 3 and it was only a dollar for right coffee and the 
very sweet Indian ladies that worked at the Duncan at the Western Brown Line stop. I hope it's still there when this pandemic is over. They like knew my order. They, if I ordered a medium, they'd just give me a large. They were so sweet. We, <laughs> I, I, there was a Dunkin' Donuts on the corner of the warehouse and I was like a regular fixture at yep. that joint. Like if I woke up later, you know, if I hit snooze, which was like every morning, sure. I would just, I would just breeze through and grab like my like large Duncan black coffee on my way into work. Ooh, um, I have to get something in it. Black is just so it's, <laughs> there's a great joke that I got sent to me from the Mary Tyler Moore show. So it's old, but it's Betty uh-huh. White. She says, coffee experts agree. Co- uh, coffee should be enjoyed just as it comes from the pot, dark, rich, and black. And then she takes a sip and then she goes, just have a little cream and sugar. Like she's like <laughs> panicked that she drank black coffee. Like that's yeah, how yeah, I am yeah, with yeah. black coffee and Duncan, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. like get, just dump the Hershey syrup in, please. Like <laughs> make that a mocha See, times four. It's it's the only way I can drink my coffee at this point. Sure. And that's so funny because I remember even you and I love, I mean, I love coffee. And actually Richard mm-hmm. and I are starting a podcast about coffee because he's obsessive about coffee. Oh, like, so beyond like, us. Like there yeah. are some like, I mean, is he like a full on like coffee sommelier at this point? Or he's he's on his way. Does he do like the pour over thing with like He's, the glass? What we're he doesn't have one, but we're what we're trying to do is we want to test we want to taste test a different coffee every show, and we want to try right. it. You know, one day we'll do a drip because I do drip coffee because I'm old school. That's how my yeah. grandparents made coffee. You know, yeah. it's like that's just how I learned. Drip, it's quick. Drip coffee is what I like grew up on, but then I think like junior year of college when I was in. Uh, when I was doing my study abroad, I mm. tried French press for the first time, and that was a game changer for me. The French press, that is such a specific. I have to, I have to like brew a specific coffee. I have to do Colombian really? roast with French press coffee, which is not really? what you're supposed to use it for. You're supposed to use it for French roast coffee because it brightens up the flavor. But huh. French roast is so acidic, and like you can taste the citrus in it and so for yeah. me it's like i like colombian because it's chocolatey tasting chocolate yes. and coffee there's no better combo in the world for me chocolate I, coffee I, and cinnamon like those oh, yeah. three I, are... I buy these those big like tin containers of some colombian grounds sure. when i'm back in the city and um like you have to open it with a can opener because the top is like oh i love those yeah for yeah. sure those are like and the I, old school way of making of packaging coffee yeah. And so like, I, like when I pop it off, the first thing I get hit with is like this overwhelming aroma of like chocolate. Yes. And it's just like, and I'm just like, I know I'm, I'm just like, I know this isn't something I can just straight up eat, but my God, if this See, if, <laughs> my mind's telling me no, <laughs> but my, body. But my body, it's telling me yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a, a TJ Maxx. I bought this, I think a couple of years ago for someone. It was like a, it was like a, uh, we used to do like gift exchange at work. Like you put your name and you get someone, buy them a gift. And so I got someone, one of my coworkers who was also coffee obsessed. They worked in Starbucks and I got them. It was a gourmet set of chocolate covered espresso beans, but it was different kinds of beans instead of different kinds of chocolate. So they had French roast beans, uh, Columbia beans, Sumatra beans, like, 
it was insane. Like, and I was like, I bet this would be really cool because you would get to actually taste the different espressos rather and how they pair with chocolate. My favorite, she let me try some. My favorite, of course, was the Colombian one. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. chocolate on chocolate on coffee on chocolate. Like, you know, it's, but yeah, I do, I do love the chocolatey tasting roasts more than anything. Yes. Yes, I don't go, I I usually don't, French roast, I would kind of agree with you, is like very acidic. Usually anything that isn't like, something that's very well balanced, but full bodied, mm-hmm. those are, those are the roasts I usually go for. Um, but I remember, I remember like my sophomore year of college when I was living in the fraternity, I had that 12 cup maker sitting on sure. my, um, sitting on like that little side table. Mm-hmm. And, uh, any of like the guys in the house who would just walk into my room would be like, like they would stop in the doorway and just like, be like, God, it smells like coffee in here. Yeah. Your room was permeated with the smell of coffee. <laughs> like People, I made coffee for myself in the fraternity, but just in the morning, like, cause then yeah. I would go buy coffee somewhere. <laughs> like, cause I was, I, I was, I was making it morning, noon and night. Is oh no. You thing. know what I would do? I worked in the library. So I would just drink, the library coffee because the ooh, workers got ooh. it for free. Yeah. No, it wasn't bad coffee. Everyone thinks was it? it was bad. It was actually pretty decent. We would buy like, we'd try to get coffee that was like palatable. Because right. all the librarians agreed were like, we hate bad coffee. Like, because right. they live on coffee. And so right. we would buy sometimes Dunkin', sometimes it would be Starbucks. One time we one time we did get a bag of Starbucks coffee from the cafe. Yeah, because it was near expiration and we knew we would plow through it before it expired. Oh, you'd, you'd be gone with it like next day in, yeah. in a week. Yeah, it expired in two weeks. We're like, we'll be gone with it in a week. But I remember yeah, for yeah, a week yeah. we had Starbucks coffee and no one knew yeah. we didn't tell. We didn't fucking tell anybody. Like, you know, we're like, we're not coffee, telling people that. Like I very I very quickly learned on that campus that coffee was something that I would have to be responsible for myself because I got one. I had that dining hall coffee that we had and first off no flavor just might as well have been dishwater second all second of all you get to the bottom of the cup and you've got like you know you've got like grounds and like granules the size of a you know gravel at the bottom of the cup yeah and it's just like you know you take your final you know sip and you're just like oh god why is it chewy why is it crunchy why is yeah, it yeah, crunchy? yeah 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 no i i hated the coffee that was in the cafeteria the one that was in the cafe was good because that was the cafe stuff was good i there's this one guy behind the coffee house i got to be like pretty buddy buddy with him he'd always throw me in an extra shot yeah, when I see for me, I was always I, I usually didn't have enough money to pay for Starbucks all the time, but I would always drink the, the library coffee because it, yeah. it was so funny, too, because like if you worked there back then, if you worked there, it was free. You did not have to put in the 75 cents for a refillable or a re- right. to refills. We just made it and then would would give ourselves coffee. So like, oh. And we had a we have a giant coffee maker in the back. We have a big bun like restaurant style coffee maker so it was like, oh yeah so it was like why not but um yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, that i that is a very distinct memory i have of college is just what i didn't have taste of coffee it was like if it was coffee it was coffee and it fueled mm-hmm. like that was it <laughs> but well anyway i 
is there anything else you want to talk about or you know stuff um, we didn't get to or i know we've had a really long winding conversation so we've touched a lot like you know a lot on you know as much as we've segued we talked a lot about food oh yeah a lot for about sure. food and just a lot of you know I, my um, my page of notes is like oh you can't see it it's like half like oh gosh i, I kind of it I in after sense. this yeah, yeah but it's but. i just had ideas down i don't know what i'm going to make for your episode for the recipe yet i might do the beef stew I'll, you know what i'm you know what i'll do i'll look up that italian steak recipe yeah. and see if you're interested yeah send that please it's a, for sure it's a it's a little bit of um it takes some prep a little bit but i think it'll be i think you'll i think you'll dig it Sure. So let I me, mean, let I mean, me... it sounds really good. So I really want it. And I know Dylan will eat it. So I'll definitely have. Yeah. To yeah. It. Let me, let me look it up. And, um, uh, cause I'll tell you this, I'll tell you, this is a very important aspect of family cooking for me is sure. that when I was like a kid, like a little kid, my mom put together this gigantic, it, we, with this gigantic three ring binder, like a three and a half mm-hmm. inch three ring binder of recipes and those recipes are from like my mom and her sisters mm-hmm. and then my grandmother and all of my grandmother's sisters and then like my wow. great grandmother so it's like the family recipe book there's some stuff sure. in there from like my uncles and stuff um but she compiled it all on the computer arranged the entire thing um so that is also a place where we get a lot of our information, but I would, I would be amiss to not mention this because, you know, it's also tradition that everybody gets one when they move out. See, that's, that's like how you've seen my big binder of food. Haven't you? Like my big, it's a huge blue binder and it says Wesley's recipes on it. Oh my gosh. I'm, I, it it has like red piping on it. Like it's just a big binder. Yeah. That that's what I was given when I turned 12 13 god i'm not that old am i jesus I mean, that, that binder is 15 years old but it's yeah it's every family recipe i ever i ever tried and i did steal recipes from my grandparents but my mother has the the big book of food i think of my grandparents and my dad has it for my grandmother so like yeah i need to, i need to get on that and be like hey can you just give those to me for like yeah. a month and i'll actually yeah. transcribe them and I- yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess for me, any like final thoughts I have on food would be is that it's, you know, there is a huge amount of tradition that has gone into cooking when it comes to my family. And it's, you know, obviously something that's, you know, still growing and kind of just, you know, this something that has, you know, my, my dad absolutely is, you know, enamored with and is growing at it and loves it. And I, obviously reap the benefits of it um sure. it's always it's always fun to help him in the kitchen when he needs a spare hand or two um but it's you know it is something i have yet to get good at but you know i was very fortunate to grow up in a household that taught me to try new things and you know expanded you know my palate and i've had a lot of very I've been very fortunate to have a, a lot of experiences with food and people who like good food. I'd like to thank Drew for being on this show. After this week, I'm going to take a short break from this podcast. I'll be back with a new episode on March 16th. If you'd like to support this show, 
don't forget to subscribe and please give the show a rating on your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please email us at gfbf at arcadiapodcastnetwork.com. 